in a time when you think that all New World movies are about space and boobies and crime and violence and space. You plug in one that's about none of those things, especially not boobies. Be warned. Music. Pictures podcast, where we are going to talk about every movie released by New World Pictures. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. I am so hungry. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Erica. I'm going to go straighten this out, Mark. Don't you worry. I'm going to make <laughs> this you. right. Thank you. Ryan, you can put me down. You don't have to carry me everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, you, no, you're carry him, Ryan. Sick, Mark. You're carry him, sick. Ryan. You're in charge now. I know. I'm going to go sort this out. I'm going to go into the Ryan. big city and make things right. I want to eat dinner at the table with the family. <laughs> Let me just keep holding you, Mark. You're not well. Only a good meal will make you well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you happen to know this little obscure gem, then you know all the bits we're doing from 1977's Deadly Harvest. I'm one of 3,000 international harvester dealers. And I handle a wide variety of IH lawn equipment. With attachments that'll handle all your major yard jobs. Like this IH pub cadet. This one machine can handle mowing. Rototilling. Leaf sweeping. Snow plowing. Shredding and grinding. And a lot more. They'll last for years. And naturally, I give you parts. And service. Pickup and delivery. And advice on the best way to take care of your property. See what your IH dealer can do for you. That's right. 1977's <laughs> Deadly Harvest, where there's no trailer available online. So nope. I found a 1977 International Harvester Cub Cadet commercial instead. Love it. But weirdly, there's no Cub Cadet in Deadly Harvest. So that's not the sponsor. In fact, nope. Deadly Harvest is actually brought to you by aerial stock footage of the greater Toronto area and Canadian farmland. <laughs> Remember, when you need to extend your exposition and you don't have enough B-roll to fill the screen, take to the skies with free aerial stock footage. You can't beat the price. <laughs> Out snowblowers! <laughs> this movie has a ton of aerial footage in its so, first ten minutes. Ma- so it's like, amazing. It is like it has so much that you think, like, "Ooh, is this all it's going to be?" <laughs> For a minute, you're like, "Is this it? Right. Is this?" <laughs> For a movie that otherwise feels like an extended stage play, there's a lot of aerial footage in the yes. beginning. Yep. That's right. Speaking of, this movie is directed by Timothy Bond, and this is in his debut feature, and he was primarily a stage director up until this No point. shit. What? Can you believe it? Would have never guessed. Bond had written the 1973 TV movie She Cried Murder, and would go on to be one of the writers of the horror film Happy Birthday to Me. 
Do you think it was she cried murder? Like, <laughs> murder. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's I, what he meant? I, I do hope now. So. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But that's now I'm going to go in with that expectation. He also would direct the 1982 TV movie Till Death Do Us Part. And this would be the start of a long TV directing career, including many episodes of Friday the 13th, the series. Nice. Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Star Trek The Next Generation, Sliders, and the 90s TV series Forever Night, which was based on a 1989 Rick Springfield TV movie Nick Knight, which was produced Mm. by New World Television as a pilot. That did not go forward, at least at that time, but did several years later. But New World was not involved in the Forever Night series. However, I think you just heard the fact that we get to talk about a Rick Springfield TV movie. Yeah, I think we just... Mm -hmm. um, Where he is a vampire. I will just let you know Oh, that's going to be good. Cue you in on that. Um, Speaking uh, of... Of uh, vampires? Vampires. (laughs) This was written by Martin Logger, who is a member of the undead and is um, (laughs) a proud member, a proud member. No, I I believe Martin Logger was a playwright. uh, I believe the undead is a Bauhaus cover band. (laughs) (laughs) They only do Bela Lugosi's dead. That's all they do. But they do it polka style. It's very, it's fun. So fun. They do it in several different musical styles, all but the way it's originally played. Anything but. <laughs> oh my um, God. So uh, he wrote the 1979's The Shape of Things to Come with Jack Palance, and he wrote and produced the Canadian TV series The Campbells. That's Martin Logger. And this is starring Canadian actors, but also... Clint Walker, who's best known at the time for being in the 50s, uh, 1950s, 60s series Cheyenne. He'd also appeared in the Dirty Dozen and many Westerns. And by the 70s, Walker was working mostly in TV and he appeared in the short-lived series Kodiak and the 1974 TV movie Killdozer. Mm. Nehemiah Persoff gets his own title card and he's the other big name actor in the film. Persoff is best known for On the Waterfront. He's a taxi driver during the I Could Have Been a Contender scene and Some Like It Hot. And he would later go on to appear in Yentl and voice Papa Mouskowitz in An American hmm. Tale. Here, um, he plays Logan, the cattle thief and all-around bad dude. Uh, yes. That's who he is in this. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Canadian actors, this also stars Gracie Law herself, Kim Cattrall, and one mm-hmm. of her earliest roles, Cattrall grew up mostly in Canada, and she did a lot of her early movies in Canada. The, uh, this one, however, would not be her breakout performance, surprisingly. It's a shame, um, because she's got a breakout haircut in this she, one. That She does. <laughs> she why, really does. Why she moved away from that cut is that beyond That cut me. is, uh. oh, yeah. She took a bowl cut and just made it fancy. You know, that's what that haircut is. <laughs> And uh, she actually did break out with a, with a Canadian film, but that would be 1981's Porky's. And then yeah. she really uh, actually broke out with 1984's Police Academy. And also, who could forget, 1985's City Limits, the follow-up from writer-actor Don Opper and Woo! director Aaron Lipstadt of Android <laughs> fame. Who could forget? <laughs> who could? 
I've, and that's all she's known for. That's it. That's all she's ever done. <laughs> it's a shame. I wonder what she's doing now. I don't know. It's I bad. have no idea. It's, it's, it's it's, that's it. Uh, where you can watch Deadly Harvest. You can watch this on YouTube. But the two different versions I attempted to watch were awful to look at. Yeah, unwatchable. There's a Spanish version on YouTube that looks nice. And if you speak Spanish, it's perfect. <laughs> and Daily Motion has a version in German that looks good. So if you speak German, you're great there. Um, so we ended up watching it on Amazon Prime where you can rent it. There was a copy. It's in a, an NSD, but at least it doesn't look like you're watching the movie through a window during a rainstorm. So I felt like it was a win. <laughs> No, but it, it does look like you're watching it through orange vision. Yes. Well, everything is, has a serious orange hue. Yeah. It's like uh, your old monochrome IBM screens. Right. The right. 1980s and 90s. It's uh, amazing. It's yeah. It, it's also available on a streaming service called Flix Fling as well if you want to add another service. I, I almost didn't know that did existed. Until I realized that it was on Amazon Prime. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do that. So why are we watching Deadly Harvest? I have to say, well, it's because this is our first week of Corntober. Woo! So we chose this on the title alone, <laughs> figuring yes. it would fit in well with our month-long celebration of all things Children of the Corn. And this is week one, Deadly Harvest. We've got some great interviews coming up. We've got Children of the Corn franchise ranking. We've got another movie, The Vineyard, which we also picked for its title... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. all part of Corntober, which is running all this month. Uh, so that's why we picked it. What's this movie about? We need to go around, figure out what this movie is about. Mark, let's start with you. What's this movie about? Well, first of all, let me tell you what it's not about. <clears throat> it is not about <laughs> harvesting. There mm. is not a single harvest to be found in mm -hmm. this movie. Mm. Why they called it Deadly Harvest is beyond me. Because, sure, there's deadly stuff. But no harvesting. Mm -hmm. But if we were to think about, if you really boil this down, if you replaced liquor, drugs, and gambling with food, this is the Godfather. <laughs> wow. 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 That's wow. high praise, Mark. I, no, I, wow. That's not praise. Man. That's not praise. Mark, oh, he, oh, he hates the Godfather. Mark said it. Mark said it on a podcast. He hates the Godfather. No, I'm just saying it's almost like if a child rewrote the Godfather but doesn't have a concept of what kind of illegal and illicit things are out there in the world, but it was like, well, I love food, so let's make food the thing that's hard to get. That's what you okay. have. I felt like this movie. You, if you handed it somebody and said rewrite the Godfather with five locations, that's what it feels more. Like. <laughs> <laughs> really does well, limit you a little bit, you know. And lots of aerial shots. Lots. Yes, right. And yeah. We'll just we'll just kind of pat it with a lot mm -hmm. of stock footage. Mm -hmm. Erica, what is Deadly Harvest about? I too am going to start with what it's not about, Ryan. Mm. Um, okay. Based on, I guess I'll be the one that sticks to the assignment. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's what we're counting on. I thought, <laughs> based on title alone, that it would be corn esque. I was really hoping for a Children of the Corn ripoff, or mm -hmm. maybe it would be like Deadly Wheat, Deadly Grains sure. of some sure. sort. You know, something evil and mysterious with a harvest, and it is not it is what it is about is just a food shortage 
Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. climate change and food shortage. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. those aren't enjoyable to watch, Ryan. What do you mean? I don't want to jump into things mean? I love and things I hated, but um, I could have used 8,000% more titties in Deadly Harvest. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So. Well, this was the go. 70s. Those things didn't come true, clearly. <laughs> Look at us now. We're doing great. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. That was just. If they had a single harvest, this movie would have no plot. Yeah. <laughs> one, they needed one. Just, just one good one. one. Just yeah. one. Well, those are great uh, things about what this movie isn't. I thought what this movie was about, it, it's actually about how some men, when they are pushed beyond their limits, and all signs point to the ultimate revenge, they will only exact it when they are left with no choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point and it's also about just how dumb people are that live in the city you know people that live uh, in the city are dumb uh, knuckleheads dumb. they're knuckleheads. just the dumbest such knuckleheads they're such and dummies they can't take care dumb, of themselves dumb and just mean just just <laughs> not nice selfish selfish meanies that's yeah. what they are and sickly Yes. Yep. Yeah. You know? They get that city yeah. sickness. They get that city sickness. They do. And yeah. Irreversible. Yeah. Um, this is the letterbox synopsis for Deadly Harvest. Look oh, I can't wait for this. Let's hear letterbox. it. Come on. It's, it's pretty short, but here we go. Farmer, this is how it starts. Wow. Farmer <laughs> struggles to keep food on the table and regain his son who has joined a gang of marauding city folk during the world's worst famine. That's not it. Wow. Nope. I no, mean, the that's, first part, the first that, part's true. True. True-ish. Yeah, mm-hmm. farm, farmer. I mean, he has a name, but uh, okay. <laughs> a farmer, you could say, but I guess there's implying wow. the man's name is farmer. Well, shorthand. He had a, he had a character limit in that description. <laughs> he had like to somebody was by. like, I need the synopsis now. We have to turn this in this minute. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, struggles to keep food on the table and regain his son who has joined a gang of marauding city folk during the world's worst famine. Now, the famine part's true. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to regain his son. That's not a quest that he has. His son does join a gang, but they're not marauding city folk. And they're not city no. folk at all. They're, they're, the sort local, of the, they're the local police they're department, They're just the right? local, yeah. yeah, the people trying to keep the, the vigilante farm people group. safe yeah. because all yeah. the farms, people are going they're and the, raiding the farms. They're the mobsters, that right, are right, being paid right. in food okay. to protect the farmers. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. A little protection. Yeah. Nothing yeah. about it's scary, though. You never, ever feel like anyone's in any real danger <laughs> at any time. This just is, putting that out there. Also, this, there's zero titans, Zero titans. <laughs> this is None. one zero. of the softest exploitation films I think you'll ever oh, see. God. It is like... Also, if you're going into this movie hoping to catch a glimpse of some cool maybe somewhat rare 1970s automobiles you're not gonna like all the cars in this movie suck yeah they are all (laughs) old beat up pieces of shit nobody (laughs) has a good car which i have to also take umbrage with the fact that there's a lot of cars and they obviously have petroleum because they can drive them anywhere no one's freaking out about gas right seems to me if well, the gas harvest gas, was a success. <laughs> right. That was but an absolute success. And you have a generator. You can generate electricity, which can power grow lights, and you can grow fucking food. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's the problem here? 
Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Deadly Harvest. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We solved it. We figured it out. They were we never s- in any real danger. We solved the film, and we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, rate and review us. <laughs> so let's get into, as we mentioned, very long expositional voiceover, but it it would be just me saying that isn't good enough. We need to listen <laughs> because we need the full context. Let's just listen in to the way this movie starts. Yeah. To most of us, it came as a surprise. But some weren't. <laughs> Not many understood. But some Who did. You but some did. To stop it. Then it no longer mattered how many understood or cared. It <laughs> what? was too late. The beginning of the end came in the late 70s. The climate changes, unseasonable cold, freak snowstorms before crops could be harvested. The energy crisis, the shortages, the high costs of growing and transporting grain, the lack of government support for research programs, the disappearance of arable land beneath the monoliths of reinforced concrete and steel as the urban centers continued their unchecked... They also showed so many farmlands that would totally disprove that point. The water and the (laughs) air. And the continuing growth of population out of all bounds and reason. More and more people, less and less food. By the end of the 70s, the fabric of society was breaking down in most parts of the world. But some people didn't know it. In the autumn of the final year (laughs) of the decade, the North American harvest was lost. Grain reserves were dipped into and the continent survived until the next harvest. Then, the sudden cold, the early snows, and for a second year, the harvest was lost. But the conviction was there that the means to survive were available. And then, the bubble burst. The bubble of conviction? The conviction was we could do it, but then, I don't know, it all burst and we just said we can't do it. I I get it would be an incredible hit on the economy to have an entire North American harvest freeze so it can't be, so you can never harvest it. And to have that happen two years in a row would be catastrophic. For sure. But they do grow stuff outside of North America. Well, that's the thing that this voiceover, which literally, as you can, as you now know, audience, takes two whole minutes <laughs> of screen time. Like, let's play it this, one more time. This could no, please don't. From the top, I, I've already listened to that clip now ten times or so. This could have been solved much faster. This is padding out your movie. It's again taken over all these shots as we mentioned in stock footage. They could have real this. This does not need to be this long. No, no, not at you all. don't need to make it this long. And, and it only abstract. sets up. It sets up another three to five minutes of more exposition. But this time with my favorites, nameless bureaucrats. <laughs> yeah, one of them is named Fred. I, I do have to say one was named Fred. Otherwise. Nameless bureaucrats. There's nothing more I love than nameless bureaucrats in dark wood paneled rooms. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. now we can get to my what you were saying, Mark. Is this Canada? America? Where are we? They talk about it like it's North America. 
Well, this is Canada, so that's all Toronto but, that they're all that. Well, all I know we're taking it's taking place in Canada. It's shot in Canada. Everything else, but where where are these five gentlemen, and who are they? They're trying to figure out this situation, and they they guess represent the government. But the, is it the government of Canada? I'm of assuming a, yes. It's the government. It's the federal government of Canada that they're making this decision to cut down on the rations from sixty to thirty percent, with the right. promise that more food is coming, even though they know that that promise will never come. I thought thought this was the Illuminati. That's what I thought. I thought it was five <laughs> dudes in a room. <laughs> Making decisions, but that but, entire cold, that entire monologue, that entire opening could have been just summarized with. There's a lot of shit going down that you don't know about. So <laughs> true. That would have done it. That would have done it. And then the ones boom. who didn't know would know, but it would already be too late. <laughs> the bubble had burst. Uh, yeah, and then the thing is, though, the one thing that this uh, that opening does with the name of bureaucrats is they do say the name of the movie. In their dialogue. Yeah. In a few short days, this nation will be visited by a new terror. Our people will move across the countryside like rats, <laughs> reaping a deadly harvest, scavenging over every last crumb of food, killing for it. The ten plagues would be a welcome relief from what we've just begun here today. And the fact that we have a famine is the deadly harvest. It is kind of a obscure idea. You got to think about it. It's a thinker. <laughs> it's a real thinker. Real think piece. Not so 100% a hundred percent of words. Where you have no harvest is well, a deadly harvest. Is the this deadly a harvest colloquialism is in the in in the farm country that I'm just not I'm not getting. Well, they're talking about the deadly harvest is yeah. the fact that they have no food and they will kill each other over the lack of food. That's the deadly harvest. The fact that there, I guess, is no harvest is the deadly part of the harvest. Or is the deadly part... Not to be part confused with Children of the Corn's urban harvest. No! Which very different. Very different. Is very different. And, you know, while some people knew it was happening and others didn't, it right. was, right. as we learned, eventually but if too late. in this movie <laughs> they had figured out how, if they did have that hybrid strain of corn that could grow in sandy soil <laughs> then this wouldn't be God, an issue boy yeah. guys yep. you're talking about a totally different let's not get distracted by a different oh, movie okay sorry let's oh, stay on deadly sorry. harvest okay got it okay oh, damn right. it we still have to talk more about deadly we have to talk harvest. about deadly harvest guys <laughs> oh jesus let's okay the family farmer is played by clint walker as we know uh-huh. <laughs> and we have little bobby <laughs> Who has fallen in love with her young calf, Melody, and yep. believes she can hide it out in the open? Yeah. Has she ever played hide and go seek? Is that a game she has ever played? Yeah. <laughs> she just she's like, okay, we're gonna count to twenty, and she takes ten steps to the left and stands yeah. there. Well, she's trying to hide the cow, dear uh, listeners. If you haven't seen this, and I pray to God you haven't. Um, that. <laughs> Farmer needs to kill the you, calf. If you have seen it, you're going to be so mad at us. You're so mad at us because you probably loved it. Because you're a bit of a thinker. You're an academic. Farmer is threatening to kill Melody the calf. Right. For food. No, Daddy, please, not Melody. It has to be done, Bobby. No, Daddy, please. Look, sweetheart, in better times we would keep Melody. 
we don't have any food for her anymore. And as skinny as that heifer is, she's going to have to be our main source of meat for the winter. But she's mine. I raised her. So little Bobby decides she'll just take her out on the run. <laughs> she's going to hit the road with <laughs> she's Melanie. She's got a place she's going to hide him. She's put on that knitted condom hat and she's going to hit the road with <laughs> That's the calf. Right. That's right. Um, next, we got son Michael, who just allows Bobby to take Melody yeah. out into the Terrible open. Terrible babysitter. He Why was distracted her? trying to fix that tractor. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, he happens to look out and sees her in the field and just kind of goes, well, it's not like we're in the middle of a famine. She's just eating yeah, this, no concerns. There's this calf for a while. Going to play hide and go seek with the calf again. He I'm going to just fix this tractor that we can't use for any reason right. since all of our crops. It's are important gone. to fix this thing we don't need now. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. But that's why this movie's like a stage play. The tractor is just a prop that people yeah. rush right. around right. with yeah. when they're like off to the side of a scene. Mm-hmm. Like when okay, so what should I be doing with my hands? I don't yeah. know. Work, pr- pretend you're working on the tractor. Yeah. Tinker on oh, the tractor. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like later on, when the son or the fiance comes in, he just tells him again the same problem. Oh, it's just got this thing. Oh, okay, like no one's going to bother to crack cylinder head or crack cil- cylinder. Uh, it does, but then, again, but it then, doesn't matter. But but then no one, no one's going to do anything <laughs> about it. Yeah, yeah. But then the one son is trying to take the carburetor off of it. I'm like, that's not. <laughs> accomplishing the goal <laughs> it's just a prop it just happened does anyone have a tractor we can use for this movie i do i have one it's the carburetor i already started taking the carburetor off is that all right like oh yeah no problem it doesn't need to run uh by the way michael is uh played by welsh actor gerant win davies he's credited here as gary davies uh, he would go on to the Airwolf TV series and the lead role in the Forever Night series I mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. In the 90s. But anyway, Michael here is a real hothead, which is probably why he takes mm-hmm. off to join uh, Wilcox and his gang. Mm-hmm. And we also meet Mom, who's played by Don Green Howell, who at 89 years young is still actively working. Wow. Having recently appeared in the Apple Plus show Five Days at Memorial, which was developed in by, developed by Carlton Cuse, who co-created the show Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which our Woo! friend David Simpkins mm-hmm. worked mm-hmm. on, and we will be talking to him later in Corntober. Wait, I thought she died mm-hmm. in this movie. Well, the actress lived on. Huh. You know what didn't live on? The cow. No. I'm pretty sure they killed that cow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. When that's Logan not the a boys come, cow. No. That, I was like... They don't have the budget to fake a cow in this movie. Yeah. You know? I think they killed it. Yeah. Like, they either killed the cow or had a cow corpse standing by to go in for the cat. I don't. It's. it's, They pull a dead cow onto that thing. Yikes. Yes. They do. That's, That's not a fake cow. That's not a fake cow. They either knocked it out. I don't. I. It's got to be know. a fake cow. There's no way those two guys can lift a real cow. But it's a calf. It's not a real cow. It's a calf. But even well, still, they're so heavy. Hold on. You can't actually just knock out. It, it could just be asleep, and they pulled it up. Could There's be. No could be. way. They do what though. They, but they. What if they, they did it for reality? Have, like it. Like just because because they're a bunch of theater folk. They just want to keep it. They want to keep it real. Keep it real. Oh my god! Well, they do use some sort of makeshift winch system to pull it in, so it's not right. like they're just pulling it with their bare hands. That's true. Into yeah. their car, which is a hearse, right? 
either that, yeah, either that it's or an hers. early right? like 1960s like ambulance. Like yeah, an am- it looks it like the Ghostbuster car that they've mm-hmm. just painted all they painted black, all the windows, blacked yeah. out windows. Yeah, which is like you know makes them very inconspicuous as they drive around trying to steal people's food. Really helps out. <laughs> no one's going to be like, oh look nope. at that car. That must be just a just a neighbor. Neighbor's got a new car. Look at that. <laughs> A new old car. A new old car with all the gas that we have. We have so much gas. Come on. <laughs> all right. I'm doing some real-time research on this because I think this is bullshit. A two-year-old calf can weigh a thousand pounds. That's there's what the no winch system's way for. That they That's what there's a winch that... system. They have a winch system. There's no way there's a winch in that hearse. They pull it up. They show it in the movie, them pulling the thing onto There's the no into the car. There's no way that's a real cow. You know what? In true theater fashion, I think that's somebody's old Halloween costume <laughs> stuffed with like, No, that's definitely a real rocks. cow. They could have rubbed down the one side of it in KY Jelly, and that helped them pull it onto the car. But that's a real cow. It looks like a real cow. It looks too good for this movie. Though the tractor was ceramic. You know, that's the prop master just made that. <laughs> oh my God. The carburetor was made out of graham crackers. <laughs> In between takes, they ate some of it. <laughs> they had to shut down production which, for an hour while they, they baked all, a new one. They all recognized the irony of eating the carburetor. <laughs> We're eating food like we just have so much and the supply of it. How funny. But the movie's uh, about the opposite. Isn't that funny and clever? Speaking of the rest of the family, there's also Kim Cattrall, as we mentioned, who plays uh, the daughter, Susan, and her fiancé. But we're not meeting them yet, because that excitement will have to wait, because we got to turn our attention to a city family. And what drama. We meet Charles, who owns a computer company of some kind, the kind of computers that can compute anything, basically. So, obviously, he is of means, mm-hmm. because computers... Just because computers. It's, exactly. it's the late 70s, and computers are just these magical monoliths that can do anything. And though, still, he still has to commute to his office. So they don't have the internet. He, he, you know, I mean, he has that incredibly advanced food perfect processing system <laughs> that he can find out anything about <laughs> what's going on with. My food, food shortage. I, I perfected the food perfect software in 1976. <laughs> it was just bad timing. Also, he just seems like the kind of guy who's like, doesn't want his family just like staring right. at him all day right. long with those hungry eyes. Like, Ugh, Ugh, yeah, I'm going to, go to, the, to the office. office. See you guys. Deal with and these sickly, sickly ass mofos. <laughs> he does have a family. Got, his, his daughter is sick. Tiny and Tammy. The, the only yep. person that is allowed into his office <laughs> of his family is his dad. Yeah. Who comes in and doesn't. Who also clearly hates his family because he's yeah. in the office like, suited yeah. up. Got his little briefcase. And he comes in with some new figures that he has done without the aid of computer because he does things the old school That's right. way. He crunches the grain numbers old school <laughs> on this legal pad. And by gum, he's figured out that the government's lying to us. There's no what? more food around. And they decided they decide to drive to the country and get some food. Uh, so back at the farm, Kim Cattrall shows up with her fiance, John, played by actor and writer Jim Henshaw, who wrote for the Friday the 13th TV series. Wow. All and things he, go back to that series. And, and so many people worked on the Friday the 13th so series. So many people worked on it. I don't remember it being that good, though. <laughs> But 
It's been a while, but yeah. It has well, been a while. Maybe it's aged it, well. Yes. There is a lot, I mean, to earlier Ryan's self who watched that series and was like, wait, this isn't about Jason? This is <laughs> right. just right. about a, what is it, an antique shop with different... Yeah, it's a brother and cursed, sister yeah, that run I mean, an antique shop. Yeah. Yeah, and they're solving kind of a mystery of the week kind of thing. And I was like, oh. Okay, why is it called Friday the 13th though? Because we'd already been treated to Freddy's nightmares. So I just was like, what is this? Yeah. Or had okay, we already but been if treated you to had Freddy's to... nightmares? I think we had, yes. I think, I mean, they came out roughly the same time. I, I think Freddy's nightmares mind, came, out. came out. But if you, had, if you had to watch a marathon of Freddy's nightmares or Friday the 13th, the series, which one would you pick? You can only pick one. Ah. I'm probably uh, I'm probably gonna do Freddy's Nightmares. Really, I would go Friday the Thirteenth. Because if I, I recall guess... correctly, I always kind of I always thought the uh, at the very least I thought the the redheaded sister in Friday the Thirteenth the series was kind of cute. I always kind of liked okay. her. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, you would certainly I would could watch the Friday the Thirteenth TV series. And I would not know what was happening because I do not remember. Clearly, I don't remember it because I believe, just doing some real-time research, it came out in 87, a year later, Freddy's Nightmares. So okay, I think it was a little bit more, I was a little disappointed. So when Freddy's Nightmares came out, I was like, okay, now we're doing a TV now show we're with back the on actual track. guy. Now we got what we wanted. Now we're, now we're doing it right. However, Freddy's Nightmares was, I remember, not also great for other reasons. Because it was kind of, it was a half an hour show. So it was yeah. very quick, and also yeah. Freddie would just pop in to do a lot. He of was quips. like the crypt keeper that would just yeah. kind of come in and make a couple jokes and step yeah. out. So, given how many people that worked on New World Pictures movies worked on Nightmare on Elm or sorry Friday Thirteenth the series, mm-hmm. does that make that series nearly New World? And <laughs> could, do we be. need to do a ranking? Of the best episodes. Oh my lord! That could Ooh. that could be that could be that. Let's. Uh, who, How many who writes all these? Were there? Who writes these things down? <laughs> Does anyone write this stuff down? I take extensive minutes every time we record an episode. Oh good. Oh thank you, Mark. Oh Mark's got it. <laughs> oh great. Um, but John is a city boy, and the that friction between him and Michael is a powder keg, and they have a massive fight in the barn. <laughs> They do. They really go fisticuffs. It's and a tough le- one. Leaving me to ask, who do you think won that fight, John or Michael? Michael from Dumb Luck. Because Michael's the kind of guy, like, I think he just won it. <coughs> yeah. I think Michael. Okay, Mark. Stuff's just going to work out for Michael. He's just that kind of guy. It's mm-hmm. going to work out for him, you know? Mark? Well, I think I think Michael ultimately won that fight. I mean, in the end, Michael... Michael wins. I mean, the battle royale, he ultimately wins anyway, right? Yeah. So sometimes a fight, a fist fight, has to be put into the context of an overall fight between two people that takes time. It it doesn't end (laughs) after the one fight. It's something that continues mm. in your heart and in your mind, and it will carry on for days, can have a real impact on you until one of them gets shot at a wedding. And then that kind of brings the fight. But to he a doesn't close. get shot at the wedding. What? The, he, what 
He gets hit in the head yeah. with the butt of a gun. Yeah. He suffers so a serious Michael head did all the early work. Yeah. <laughs> Michael rang his bell and then somebody, yeah. he, you know. Right. He, he had yeah, the concussion bump going into. He softened yeah. him up so <laughs> that the butt of the gun My, could come in for Michael the death blow. Michael softened the skull so that, <laughs> that the. It's funny because I, <sighs> when I watched it, I saw him. I hate that I just said get... that. Soften the skull. Ugh. Ugh. Excuse me. Just like puke. the cow. Oh. Um, I just, it's funny. I saw him get hit by the butt of the gun, but then the very long drawn out death scene. Yes. I yes. thought he must've got shot and I missed something right. because the butt of a gun does not know. It's not normally a death sentence. No, no, but, but it, but it was, have, but it he, was here. His fontanelle had never closed all the way. And that <laughs> ew, ew. Right. right. I think he just Back then, they it. didn't give you those little helmets you put on babies no. now. No, no. Yeah, International Forester did not marriage. have one. International Harvester did not have those yet. <laughs> but they do now for your babies. That's where you turn to for all your baby needs. <laughs> International <laughs> Harvester. <laughs> you know, it's funny you guys are picking different people to win that fight. I thought the people that won that fight were us as an audience who really needed something to happen. It was so the was dumbest like, fight, though. It was, but it wasn't I even needed a good something. Fight. I needed something to go on there. I desperately needed something to happen there. So Ugh. I was just happy that anything happened. Otherwise, we were going to spend the next 10 to 20 minutes trying to fix that tractor. That's true. And, <laughs> and we're not, for no reason. So Charlie and his dad, they get the food. They, tr- they get some food from Farmer, who was gracious enough to hand them stuff. But then they get caught by Wilcox trying to drive away because they are the dumbest. Yeah, people that put it in the back seat and not the trunk like a couple morons, and don't and even cover it. Don't even. Yeah. Like, they finally cover it the last minute when it's way too late, and they yeah. get caught so damn easily. It's just unbelievable. They're like, "Watch out! I'm going to drive into a field, and now I'm in a field, and I don't know what to do." Like, gets, oh, it's... they get stopped so fast. Ugh. Dad suffers a heart attack during the altercation, and Charles promises revenge—the revenge that only a spineless dummy with no street smarts can promise. <laughs> Was it a heart attack though, or was he just bumped in the heart really hard? <laughs> he had years where my, Michael had just beaten that heart down, punching him in the chi- yeah. in the upper chest. Michael does beat him up in that scene. He he tries right. to whack him, uh, Michael with a cane, and then he sort of grabs him, and then he immediately goes down. But so he doesn't Charles, beat him up. He just shakes him by the lapels until the guy says, "My chest, my chest." Right. Right. Because he was a soft city man. He was a soft That's how people, that's how they are in the city. Number soft. cruncher. Soft. Uh, just paper cuts all over his hands. <laughs> Charles cuts a deal with Logan, which uh, I have to say, uh, even in the better resolution of the Amazon version, it took me a viewing or two to realize that it was Logan. Because Logan's always wearing that hat. So right. when Logan comes to his office, I was like, who's this new guy running the underground? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I was like, oh, no, that's the same guy. But we're led to believe that this guy that's driving in this black painted beat up Hearst stealing from farmers has had the has had this plan all along and has become the wealthiest person in all of Canadia land. Right. Because he some knew it was coming and some didn't. Mark, he's the he's the sum. He's the sum. <laughs> he's the guy who was just basically like he was just filling his basement with food. They're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "You never know." 
And then all They're of a like, sudden, two uh, harvests go down. Don't hang out like, with him. He's richest. a prepper. He's I've... got tons of shit yeah. in his yeah. basement. And they didn't write like, uh, you know, a goodbye dates on cans back then. They were just like, it's canned food. Just eat it whenever you need it's to eat It's good forever. Yeah. Just don't dent the can bad. and you're cool. Yeah. That mushroom soup will last forever. <laughs> Topical. I just threw away a two-year-old can of mushroom soup. We debated it like a couple of dummies because we live in the city. I just don't need any more help getting diarrhea. That was the final straw. I get it so well on my own. I don't need an expired cream of mushroom soup to help me. All right? I win this round, cream of mushroom soup. You'll have to give me diarrhea some other time. It's fine. We got 30 cans of it in the garage. It's no big deal. <laughs> there are 72 episodes of Friday 13th, the series. 72? What a ranking we're going to be able to do. <laughs> Holy it's amazing. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it now a two-parter. <laughs> we? we need to wrap up this episode. I got to get started on this. Yeah. this we ranked the, the, the first 30 odd <laughs> But the nuances between episode 29 and 30 and the way that I've ranked them, uh, you'll see. For the one or two people that were like, oh, that's interesting. I would listen to them rank those. And now we have. We have mentioned that it is impossible. That is not going to happen. That would be so much It's possible. Work. It won't be entertaining or interesting it's at all. It's not impossible for all of us to watch all those episodes. <laughs> to rank them then would be, I don't know how to, where you would even, 70 number, odd episodes? Number 72, I'm going with episode 33. <laughs> Imagine the debates. Wait. You're taking episode number 65 in the number 30 slot? Are you nuts? Like that would, it would be so weird. Let's do it. Well, I don't know. All Let's right. do it. We're doing it. We're locked in. You heard it here first. Says oh. the lady who's barely through the corns. All right. So it becomes wedding day because we've got to marry these people off. It's something we've been talking about from the very beginning. we got to get King Patrol married off. So who's working security? Who are you going to put out there? How about the old Swede that nobody likes? There you go. There you go. Can you take up that yeah. beat up old car, Swede, and just stand out there? This is as far as you go, mister. Howdy. Is that the way to the Franklin farm? What is it to you? Well, there's a wedding there, and we're going. We got a little present for the bride. Oh, Susan. That's right. Oh, well, aren't you kind of late for the wedding? Well, that's just it. <laughs> we lost our way. Got a map here, but I don't know. I guess we're about here, huh? That's right. And the farm is just a little ways down the road. Yeah, but the wedding is at the church. Just just past the farm. You can't miss it. He's like, and let everyone in? No, you need to be security. You need to really be <laughs> decisive about who you allow into the farmland. He's like, no problem. I'll let everyone in. Yeah. He, he, there are all the telltale signs that he should be doing a deeper investigation as to who these people are. <laughs> he doesn't pick up on any of them. No. Why are there extra guys in the back of that? Hearse? That's what tips him no off. No problem. No problem. Yeah. yeah. These guys who are dressed with gloves and everything else, he's like, whoa, we're part of the part. We're part of the wedding. We're going like, to the oh, wedding. Okay. Not dressed appropriately at all. Nope. Not wearing suits like everyone else. Not, not dressed are, up are for a wedding. Are you there for the bride or the groom side? 
<laughs> nope. None of these questions are being asked. None no. of them. No. What did you bring for a present? Yeah. Nothing. He, he, I'm there's uh, more guys in the car. I'm starting to <laughs> finally get a whiff of some impropriety here. But I would argue people did bring presents. They bought they brought unwrapped food that sits out on a table. Mm-hmm. Like imagine you're like, "Here I'm here at your wedding. Here's a cooked ham." You're mm-hmm. just going to sit that cooked ham out? Nothing over it? Not right. even like a light tea towel? To keep it protected from the elements? I was there like, was probably brains all over that after that gun hit the head. There was probably brain gush and goo and whatever's inside the brain all over that ham. <laughs> didn't stop, didn't stop <laughs> him from serving it later you on heard, in the movie. You heard it here first. That ham was compromised. I thought maybe brain was like some sort of code of like maggots or something. I was like, what are you talking about? And you're like, oh, because of the gunfight that ensues. Yeah. I did not know. Yeah. I thought brains was some sort of yeah. weird country code, some Indiana jargon for. No, it's not. I mean, <laughs> when actual you leave brains. A, a ham. No. Out. Nope. Based I, upon I mean, that, once gu- the gunfire starts, there were bullets flying. For People sure, were getting shot. You know, hit I'm, the I, head. I mean it though, because I think outside of the ham, they basically got like thirty apples, which is like, <laughs> I, I mean, thank you, everyone. I know it's a food shortage, but variety would have been awesome. <laughs> Everyone, well, everyone's I, giving I, him a Granny Smith. Like this is the one I just won't eat. I just won't. I just I'm not going to do it. There's thirty apples and three eggplants. There was eggplants. Yeah, I could spare an eggplant because I will. I won't eat that even during the most even desperate of times. In a fucking famine, nobody wants eggplant. And based upon the just poor marksmanship of everyone. And yeah, far, from farmers to the militia. Yep. The most you're going to find potentially on that ham is some broken glass. Because mm-hmm. those people can't, they, they, what I understood from this movie is nobody knows how to fire a weapon. No. I mean, they don't have to pull the trigger, <laughs> but they don't know what into, happens after that. We run into that a lot in these movies, but this one was, it was particularly, this is particularly egregious. Yeah. Uh, we'll save is, it because it is time for things we love. Things we hated. That's right. We're going to talk about the things we loved and the things we hated about Deadly Harvest. Mark, let's start with you. What's something that you loved? You know what I loved? I loved that you have this wedding. I mean, I don't love that the mom and the the future son-in-law died. But you have a wedding. They die. Immediately, they go and bury the the, the son-in-law and the mom. Next to each other, as they always Next wanted. to each other, as they, always, <laughs> as they asked in their will. Yep. But what I appreciated is they got they got a real bogo with that priest. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so true. So true. He's like, do I value. get an extra apple for the two different ceremonies? <laughs> no, no, like, no, you're no, no. here. You're still no, here. You're, you were here. It's you were all... supposed to do, the wedding was supposed to take an extra hour. That's so what we're gonna put that on the like, funeral side. He was like, "Hurry up and bear and dig two holes while the priest is still here." And if you think that Ryan is doing a poor job of imitating <laughs> the farmer, Clint Walker, oh, no, because that no. is how he sounds. That the is how he sounds. Mm-hmm. 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 Sometimes he gets a bit soft when he talks like this. Yeah, but that's about it. Yeah, but no matter what, it sounds like his voice was recorded a long time after the, <laughs> it, a lot, many the mouth scenes. moved. Yes, yes. <laughs> Erica, what's something you loved? I have to say, I loved the music. It 
was crazy. Crazy. It was crazy. soundtrack does not match the look of the film. No, it doesn't all. it doesn't match the look or the feel of the film at all. It's bizarre, it's upsetting. I loved yeah. it. Well, while we're here, the music is by John Mills Cockell or Cockle, however he pronounces it, whom some may recognize and some won't, from the pioneering Canadian's electronic act, Syrinx a Canadian electronic music group active from 1970 to 1972. Mills Cockell was one of the earliest adopters of the Moog synthesizer, and he would go on to score 1980's Terror Train and 1982's Humongous. Mm. And it is rumored that this movie was an influence on the Scottish electronic group Boards of Canada and that their album Tomorrow's Harvest is uh, majorly influenced by this. Now it's just a theory. But I just thought, since we're here talking about the music, why don't we play that song again from Deadly Harvest? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, now we're going to listen to a little bit of Boards of Canada from their album Tomorrow's Harvest. Cold Earth, by the way. So some of the titles and stuff of that album are people suggest could be influenced by this record. And they also have had some of their other EPs influenced by different movies. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. Boards of Canada kind of keeps everything to themselves. But that is a, basically a theory Above about board, the board, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so proud. You're so proud. So proud. So, so proud. So, uh, things I loved. I'm going to talk about something I loved. So, in the Illuminati scene, Mm -hmm. here's a decision I greatly enjoyed, which is that they said, no more long-distance calls. I love that. (laughs) In order to keep the truth from getting out. Like, that had to feel like, fuck, in 1977. (laughs) We can't even make long-distance calls? What? I mean, uh, but my friend is in a different area code. What do I do? That's technically long distance. I can't talk to anybody. Well, yeah. Or is that just a toll call? Because oh, that's different, know. right? Oh, oh. Hmm? That's what they had a sub meeting after this meeting where they discussed the, ba- yeah. the finer points of what yeah. long distance What means. is the radius of a toll versus long distance? Yeah, that's what they had to discuss. Yeah. You can still call, and people still do call. They still answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles picks up the phone and gets a call from his wife in his office. 
And he's like, damn it. I gave her the number to my office. What an idiot. <laughs> okay. Um, and what I also loved about this movie is I did love that it was mostly effective in showing a kind of apocalyptic scenario with very little. And I mean, little money, little cast, little details. They did not do much. But at this, you know, for the most part, you're like, okay, we kind of get it. We understand this is a bit of an apocalypse scenario. And they did it very, very cheaply. So I was like, okay, they did a good job with that. I'll give it that. Sure. Yeah. I'll give it that. I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 I've seen Sarah McLaughlin infomercials that are less heavy handed than this, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, (laughs) in the arms of the angel. I can't say anymore. Copyright. Uh, yeah, yeah. They um in this dark room. It's not that you feel. Um, you know, the consider they're thinking. Well, if this movie's a hit, we can easily do the stage version. They were like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can't, really. can't over. They were already doing. They were already Steven, doing the stage followed version. Followed by Deadly Harvest, the audience will know what to do <laughs> right. with themselves. They're like coming to theaters and the Toronto Fringe Festival. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's switch to things we hated. Mark, what's something you hated about this movie? Um, I hated the fact that. Uh, listen, it's not that hard to outrun a skip steer. It's, 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 it's like, get out of the fucking car and put on just like a light jog and you can outrun that tractor. Why they didn't get out of it, it just is beyond me. It's We're talking so about the annoying. end fight scene, of yes. course. Yes. Where when, farmer yeah, goes when bananas. Farmer yeah. goes bananas and just kills them in their black car because they refuse to get out. They just won't. Yeah, they the, won't get out. It, it, it is that you just get out and just yeah. walk at a steady clip and you'll outrun him. Yeah, yes. But they yes. don't. They don't. No, they don't. When you see that, though, on stage, it is going to be amazing. <laughs> Right, right, but I that is uh, that combined with the ending, the ending, ending of the movie. That is it over. I'm afraid not, son. There'll be more to come. We're not gonna make it. Oh, we're gonna have to try. All our sakes, we're gonna have to try, trying to survive. Ah. And that's it. Credits roll. Yeah. Credits roll. Right. There'll it's be more over. coming. Yeah. This isn't the end, but it is. <laughs> Goodbye. Right. Remember, they only have 27 days hey, to live at that point. Some of us know the ending that happens after that, and some of us don't. <laughs> but by the time everyone figures it out, it'll be too it'll late. It'll be too late. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, Erica, what's something you hated? Um, I hated that. I hated that he had to poison his family. Yeah, that yeah, that wimpy yeah. business, that wimpy city man had to poison yeah. his family. Like really? And then for a split second, he says, "I'm going to get revenge." Again, I brought this up. He said, "I'm going to get revenge. I'll get you for this for killing dad." And by getting you, I mean I'm going to kill my whole family yeah. and myself. Kill my own family? Like yeah. to me, it didn't make any sense. I just, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, I well, thought it was odd that that was the direction they took him in. He seemed like, yeah, it was like he's going to go revenge his dad and he's going to maybe get 
I don't know, mixed up in something or join the underhanded farmer protection and trick him somehow. Nope. Just poisons his family. Nope. Kid just dies. Cause he finds his, cause his, his, his food. Counting food perfect. Te- the food, food perfect <laughs> food program. Per- perfect technology. Uh, he's figured out that there's only 27 days left of food for the North American populace. So they're all going to die. You think there would have had some kind of, you know, QA in that thing where it would have gotten down to like, oh, I don't know, a hundred days, and it would have been like, bam, 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 warning, you are at one hundred days. Like, why did no one? Why was it like, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep, boop, twenty-seven? What? New York City? Like, why was it such a surprise? <laughs> also, he could have just mixed them all up like a nice glass of Metamucil. That would have filled the stomach, and they could have probably got two meals out of that dinner. Oh my god. Also, was it the ham that he served them? Yeah. The brain ham? The brain ham. Ew. Yeah. Not only but did he kill him, he fed him like... He had to cover it with gravy Buck. so they wouldn't taste the brains. Ugh. I did notice he did not make any eggplant. Yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Even he was like, yep. no. No, thank Even you. when it's the last meal, no one will he eat it. He just threw that uh-uh. right in the garbage. Not yep. Worthless. He actually cooked it, prepared it, and then just scraped it into the trash. <laughs> <laughs> why did i do that why did i do that it's dumb I, I mean i'm not gonna eat it now no, i'm never gonna eat it i'm never in 27 days you wouldn't have me eat it <laughs> ironically it was, egg, it was eggplant that would have cured tammy so <laughs> we're gonna have the eggplant lover society writing us like oh, how dare did. you I would prescribe her an eggplant diet. <laughs> Your daughter is lacking an eggplant. Oh, well. No daughter of mine's going to eat an eggplant. <laughs> Into the trash. Uh, I'll get you uh, for this, doctor. I'll poison my whole family. Yeah, I'll kill him before you do, yeah. farmer. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, this had moments where it really could have gone for it, particularly with the revenge story. But it ultimately just keeps pulling back. And for a movie from the 70s, it feels weird that every character is desperate, several having legitimate reasons for revenge. Charles, as we're talking about, the city man, obviously farmer. Yet most things are solved with like reasoning and good conversation. Yeah. It's like, I mean, right after the church shootout, um, talking about the score, farmer grabs his gun and says, I'm going to drive to town. Yep. And we have this long extended sequence, which where I felt like the movie was about to kick in and be like, okay, it's the late seventies. Here we go. Farmer is going to take his gun and he's going to like, fuck you. And I've seen so many movies from the seventies where I was like preparing me for this. Instead, person in Charles's office and they have a good conversation. Then he realizes I'm here under false pretenses. I guess we got to cut. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. No. Also, that musical sequence where he's driving in town is some weird ass music. It is bananas. That something worse is going to happen. That but, you're like, right. who is the music influencing him? Like, has he finally lost it? That he snapped? Is he is he like so hungry, angry, hangry that he's going to like just go in there and rip this guy to shreds? He's like, nope. I'm going to push you one time, and then I'm going to just reason with you, and then I'm out. Right, and then and then <laughs> he could have saved his family. He could have saved that dude's family's life if he would have killed him. 
<laughs> no shit. That's right. a good point. That is a good point. If he would have killed him, him that then his family his would have lived. And, you know, he, it's only there for him to set up for Charles to tell him, you're too late. You've got to drive all the way back, which he does and seems to make it in almost no time. Whereas yeah. we had this whole musical interlude saying, well, drive to town is a drive to town. It really, you know, takes some time. So it was just, you know, he, so again, he, he only exacts his revenge when he has absolutely zero choice because his family's being shot at. And then he finally does anything about it. Yeah. And I mean, it just feels like, do we really have no other choices? Like, I know things sound (laughs) dire, but is there honestly no other way? Like, as Mark was saying, we have gasoline at at this Illuminati meeting. There's water at the very end before the shootout. Um, Bobby's like cutting a slice of freshly baked bread. Like, it's not, we're not totally fucked. So, I mean, <laughs> right. the Illuminati, you guys are there. You're all real smart dudes. You you can't trade with any other country. Like, we importing, exporting is done. I No, because it, it can't make long distance phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, they were very explicit about that. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're going to call uh, to get some imports from Europe. No, nope. huh? no, you're not. Break. You cannot no, do that. You yeah. cannot. We've cut yeah. the lines. Yeah, it just no, didn't I, feel like the. The desperation's there, but we know there's desperation. So if you just confuse us with everybody like constantly attacking one another, and there are some attacks, no doubt. There's a fight in the barn. There's the church shootout. There's the end fight. But it just felt like we we could have had it's people. That's always the apocalyptic story. The problem is the people. So concentrate on that. There, that's what where the stuff was, and it mm-hmm. kind of just kept being like, oh, we're gonna go there. Oh, we're not. We're not. We talked it out, and we're gonna make the right choice. The good, yeah. and it's like. Okay, all right. There's a reason why this movie hasn't made it to Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, or, or even uh, DVD. Or even DVD. Yeah. 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 Favorite scene. Let's move on to our favorite scene. Mark, what was your favorite scene? Favorite scene is definitely when he's working on the Food Perfect program. Because he's he's looking, he's grabbing big sheets of paper, which <laughs> had to have been printed from something. Then he's typing in this computer... And he's like getting really frustrated by like, no, that, that, that can't be. He grabs uh-huh. another piece of paper. Every time it shows the screen, it's the same <laughs> result. <laughs> so I'm like, is the program broken? Or are they expecting us to not have remembered that you just showed us the exact same statistics the last time you showed us the screen? They do it three times. Actually, I think four. That yeah. You see the same stats on the screen and you're like, yeah. 27 days. What are you typing in there? There's no, there's no new information you're getting from this. Right. You're just seeing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, so pretty wild. I would say that the program is broken. Cause statistically you would get at least some variation some after vari- four tries. <laughs> variation. Even if it yeah. was 26%. That's it would change a little. Infallible. The numbers were, Yeah, you know, I don't, I think the infallibility is his ability to write a good program. That's the problem. <laughs> Erica, what was your favorite scene? Oh, God, the wedding, easily. Ham brains. I mean, oh, yeah. Let's go. Ham, ham brains. Ham brains for the t shirt win. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the wedding. Because it just, it was finally some action. It was finally some, you know, violence. We lose the mom, which you think 
is going to trigger farmer to go just nuts and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't you know you, you thought it would trigger some emotion he gets the most emotive that he possibly can yeah and he thought finally he's really gonna we're really gonna see something happen here but nope. and he doesn't so yeah that's my fave i, I think thought that before you get into that uh i thought it was a real it was an interesting choice that his wife died Part of this was predicated on his son joining this vigilante gang. Mm-hmm. And he just, his his way of expressing his anger, disappointment, heartbreak is to simply just not look his son in the eyes. Yeah. He doesn't yell at him. No. He doesn't, he doesn't grab him. He doesn't scream into his face, this is your fault. Your mother is dead. Mm-hmm. None of that. He just won't look him in the eyes. In fact, in a yeah. in a like a scene later, he's thanking him for all his help. <laughs> well, he does forgive and forget quickly. Yeah, quickly. Especially like his daughter just like takes the cow. Like I was going to help us through the winter and give be a wedding gift, but don't worry about it. Well, she, her ability to quickly overcome traumatic situations is <laughs> truly spectacular. That is with the, with the daughter. Yeah, the dog, the cow gets shot in front of her. She bounces back real she quick. She bounces, yeah, she does. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- there's gunfights. She bounces back quick. There's a final battle inside the house. She's rallying right around that. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when brain bread, her brother, she's trying to save the brain bread. Yeah. When her brother shoots a guy inside the house. Her response is, look, sissy actually spoke. Right. Like, right. She is quick. She's a, she, she's, I mean, or, she's going to murder someone or, down the road. Yeah, this is all going to come say, back. Or she's is she lose just dead shit. inside? She has like no emotion. She's the deadly harvest. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> now we know, but now it's too know. late. It's shit, too late. That's what happened. It's Pop, too late. There's the bubble. <laughs> oh, well, after that, this will be a letdown. But my favorite scene was when the son tries to buy the food from, you know, Logan in the black market. How times have changed, Mr. Ennis. Hmm? Not so long ago, you were Mr. High and Mighty, and I was nobody. But I suppose that I was a little smarter than you. While you and your hotshot friends were piling up gold, I was stocking up on food. And now it turns out that that's the only thing in the world that's got me back. Yes, that's how it is. Come on, Sam. And don't bother me anymore. It just felt like to me the not the 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 strongest written scene. Him looking at the pearls, looking at yeah. your business, being like, "What do I need? I don't need any of this stuff," you know. And sort mm-hmm. of like Logan getting a chance to sort of like put it on this rich guy who, on yeah. any other circumstances, mm-hmm. would own him, and he gets to own him. If you had had more like time with the characters, you sort of knew these people in any way, it might have had even more. Would have meant even more. Sure. You, but it, you don't. But it still felt like, oh, that was kind of a good little scene. Like that had yeah. like, you know, that's, that had some good stuff and some good acting in it. Mm-hmm. It's a solid scene. Yeah, it, it was. I, I think had I known who Logan was at the beginning of that scene, Correct. that would have helped right. too. Yeah, Because exactly. it took a bit for oh, me so to put that one, one together. Because again, yeah, yeah, I was like, I was this like, where did the... this guy come from? Yeah, I was like, who's this uh, guy from the, you know, the underground, the black market? <laughs> Plus... There's a really great scene too when they're getting shot out. It's like towards the end 
when uh, the vigilantes come in uh, and they're shoot and he turns, he goes, "We got to get out of here fast." And they turn to run, and he does that sort of slow man, like slow old man run. Just yeah. like <laughs> he's not not able to really book it. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, this knee, this knee is not gonna. I can't push it. Cannot. I can't push it. Look, I'm gonna run as fast as I can. This but... ground is not even. Right. I have to yeah. be real mm-hmm. careful. I'm gonna roll an ankle on my I, way I out of here. I'm not wearing my orthodontics or orthodontics. What is it? Uh, orthodontics. Orthodontics. Ortho- I like orthodontics. Or- orthodontics. Yeah, I have my I have my braces in my or- shoes. Orthodontia. <laughs> I have. I put, bra- I put braces is around my feet and so i have to wear very wide <laughs> shoes and you thought hand brains was the silliest thing that was going to be i didn't think it was silly i legitimately thought it was like is that like a saying i've never heard that before that's what i didn't think it was silly i just thought it was an actual saying then i was laughing at myself for being such a dum-dum thinking it was a saying Come down to logan's orthodontics <laughs> orthotics that's what it is Orthod- well, orthodontics I'm, I'm two orthodontics. or three I, I i i didn't know the word because i don't wear them but i'm two or three years away from wearing them myself so I'll get that word nailed in a, in a little bit. Let's go to final questions. These are our final questions for Deadly Harvest. Speaking of the church shootout, I know it's easy to get lost in all the John Woo action that we experienced, but... <laughs> when they let the doves go in the church, it was so great. <laughs> it was just intense. Um, Michael just sliding down the banister and just firing left and right. <laughs> but did you see who shot the mom? I don't. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I was so I, I was so impressed with the gunplay. <laughs> it is. It <laughs> is rapid fire. So I did have to rewind it to look back. But it was Michael. See, really, Michael shoots his mom. Yeah, not surprised. Oh. It is Michael shoots. You see the window, and you see the bullet go through, and then mom goes. Ugh. Oh, that's yeah. So that- Michael shot his own mom. That would have been more impactful had they kind of highlighted that a bit more. It should have been yeah. a moment, but yeah. again, yeah. we're not interested in those moments. Yep. No. The scene where a farmer is driving to Toronto, there's a flash of, of Kim Cattrall, like just that appears, which indicates that farmer is thinking about her. But it's from the scene that follows that. So did they sneak in the fact that Farmer is clairvoyant? <laughs> and, and if he is, did he see this all coming? Was he hoping for the single life again? Did he actually hate Kim Cattrall's fiance? Uh, 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 yes. That's the answer is yes. God, I hope so. Because that. that makes this very, very exciting. <laughs> I mean... Um, I couldn't help but think when Charles is mashing up the poison pills, I mean, we're assuming it's poison. Somehow he had the wherewithal to get poison. He can't get literally shit for his family. Yeah. He can't find anything, but somehow I guess he found poison. Yeah. Okay, fine. But what if it was actually just a laxative? (laughs) His family just needed to poop. What if they all sort of wake up from their food coma and then they're like, oh... It just <laughs> only one bathroom in that house. Um, well, also carry I, I, her to the toilet. <laughs> she's, she's sickly. Also, how come? Uh, and this happens a lot in in, in these kinds of movies uh, where, like, you're going to poison someone. 
Why do you wait until right at that moment to pull the powder out of the pills? Couldn't you have done that earlier and had that waiting? (laughs) Why did you, why were you like, oh shit, now I got to quickly try to do this before someone comes into the kitchen? Because everyone comes into the kitchen. You know how kitchens are. They're like the hub of the house, especially when you're cooking food. Right. So that's not the time to start emptying the pills. But he kept everybody in the dining room. He's like, I will serve. So he could finally have a Someone could have got up at any point and been like, oh shit, I need to get a spoon. I mean, yeah, he could have done it well in advance for sure. Exactly. I bet how he even got it. I mean, there's so many questions I have. Charles is so inept. He's been spending his time on a computer program that doesn't work. And he's somehow based a business on just because people yep. didn't know anything about computers. Yeah, because he just he just says computers, and they're like, "Oh, oh, tell my me gosh, more. this guy must." I be think him. he was just trying to add to the fanciness of the dinner, like you know, when you're at a fancy restaurant, and they're like fresh ground pepper. He was right. like, you yeah, know, fresh ground poison. Yeah, he was just trying to make it fancy, you know. Just doing a little. That's what they always tell you when you're cooking. Yeah, a little, little salt yeah. bay action. On. Yeah. Salt bay. Yeah. Little, little salt bay. bay. They always tell yeah. you like a little, put a little love into it. So that's what, you know, that's what he was doing. <laughs> he was cracking them open, doing a little salt bay over each dish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's get into some research. This started shooting mid-November 1976, finishing in December of that year, according to Cinema Canada. And it was a Berg Ambassador co-production, which sounds like a rural Dutch diplomat, but <laughs> but it actually is Ambassador Film Distributors, a Canadian distribution company that, that distributed tons of films, and also Berg, I guess, <laughs> whoever that is. Um, the budget, according to one source I found, was around $250,000. Seems a little high. I would have said like $150,000, but who knows? Wow. It was released August 21st, 1977 at the World Film Festival of Canada in Montreal. It was also released on the CBC in 1980 and released on VHS by New World Video in March of 1986. And I found an old Billboard article which lists the other titles released in March of 1986 from New World Video. Fearless, a.k.a. Magnum Cop. It's a 1978 Italian crime film directed by Stelvio Massi, starring Ooh. Joan Collins. Wow. Yeah, so... I can't just, wait to watch that mm-hmm. one. The 1980 comedy Pickup Summer, Transylvania Ooh. 6 5000, mm-hmm. and Reno and the Doc. Oh. Quite the year. This was all March 1986. This was quite all, the month. This was a listing of a bunch wow. of other movies that came out on video, and there was a ton from New World Video that came out. Also released at that same time or, uh, was Reanimator by Vestron Video and sex comedy School Spirit. One of the films Roger Corman produced for New World Pictures, but they refused to put out, leading Corman to start Concord New Horizons. And for New World, then to Sue Corman, etc. Oh, so that's a nearly new world. For that's us. a nearly new world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, School Spirit was released by Media Home Entertainment, so I guess Corman wasn't in the home video business just yet. Mm. Media Home Entertainment was always like the oof, you're you're in for you're in for a real grab bag every mm-hmm. time you get mm-hmm. one of those. So let's. I wanted to have just a few quick words about Anthony Cramreither. He is the producer of this. He's a Canadian B movie producer. He started out as a struggling actor in his native Austria and then moved to Canada, um, waiting to bring his wife. And I think he had like five kids. Wow. Um, and he did not know any English. Hmm. 
at mm. all. So he comes over to Canada. He worked on a farm. He worked as a welder in construction and as a busboy at the Park Plaza Hotel and then began getting acting jobs in Canadian TV shows such as Wocheck, starring John Vernon of Fraternity Vacation fame. But he started his own production company, Bright Star Films, in 1972 with the hopes of making serious art films. So he was coming from theater. He wanted to make some serious films. Starting with the 1974 Canadian drama Lions for Breakfast, which is written by Deadly Harvest screenwriter Martin Logger, a vampire. Mm. He could stay up all night long and write that. <laughs> Took him a week. Well, uh, he had to stay up all night long to write it because he can't write it right. during the day. He's like, how's the script coming? Ooh, I'm hungry. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'll read it. Just leave it. I'll read it during the day. Um, however, to fund these artistic ventures that he wanted to do, Cramreither produced many low-budget B-movies, such as this film and the 1982 Canadian slasher Humongous, 1983's American Nightmare, and my favorite, 1988's The Brain. Cramreither mm-hmm. said in an interview that, quote, I hate it when distribution companies ask me the cost of my films because they tend to judge the worth of a film by its budget. In Hollywood, they spend millions to make a movie that goes down the drain. My films always make money. That sounds to me, just sounded to me very Corman-esque and also makes me, again, wonder if that $250,000 is particularly on the nose. I'm like, mm, I feel like it's less. Um, but, you know, he wanted people to think that, oh, I spent $250,000 on this movie. Yeah. Um, how much money Deadly Harvest made, I don't know. Um, but Cramreither then wrote and directed and produced the 1983 comedy All in Good Taste, which is notable for containing the feature film debut of Jim Carrey. And it was another film to help fund his more ambitious projects, such as 1986's Dancing in the Dark, which debuted at the Cannes Film Festival in 1986, obviously, and would go on to win several Genie Awards. And it was released Mm. in the U.S. on VHS by, you guessed it, New World Video. Amazing. In in 1977 article, Cramreither claimed his dream project was to make a movie about Dr. Frederick Banting, the Canadian scientist who co-discovered insulin, but it was never made. A Canadian TV movie called Glory Enough for All was made in 1988, starring Michael Zelnicker of the aforementioned Pickup Summer, released the same time on New World Video in the uh, March 1986. Cramreither would uh, go on to win a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Canadian Film and Television Production Association in 1991 before passing away in 1993, I believe, of Parkinson's-related issues. So Mm. that is uh, just a little bit about Canadian B-movie producer who produced this and many other little Canadian B-films. And that's it. That is the end of Deadly Harvest. Wow. We did it. We did it. Corn-tober. Week one in the books. We did it, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review us if you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Follow us on all the socials. Follow us on Letterboxd. And we'll see you next time on the New World Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody. In the arms of-